0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Savage Arms. Now, we all know Savage makes some awesome rifles, but did you know they've recently released a new shotgun called the Renegade? Now, there's a lot of awesome things about this shotgun, like its ergonomic, well-balanced design, its patented stock pad that knocks down recoil, and something that these guys are very proud of of, called their Drive Gas System, D-R-I-V, and what that stands for is Dual Regular inline valve gas system and what this is is it basically allows the shotgun to shoot three inch magnums or two and three quarter inch cartridges all with the same consistency if you want to find out more about the new shotgun the renegade from savage arms visit savagearms.com slash renegade <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today, we're going to be talking with a gentleman from a company called Western Mountaineering. And these guys make sleeping bags, they make boot covers, they make insulation layers, these guys are doing a ton of interesting things with Down, they're an American company, and uh, today I'm talking with one of the guys who's been working there a very long time, his name is Gary Peterson, and Gary kind of walks us through what makes a good insulation layer, what makes a good sleeping bag, and the reason I wanted to get a sleeping bag company on, because that's, I think that's a majority of their work uh, that they do is sleeping bags and one of the reasons why i wanted to get them on was because on my last uh, mule deer trip that i went to in south there south dakota we you know we hunted from a tent we had to set up a base camp and the first night i was fine but the the second night the second two nights that we had to sleep outside i had a little bit of a chill and i felt that my sleeping bag should have been rated good enough for that for those conditions right in the i guess it was the high 20s uh low 30s and i was a little bit cool a little bit chilly to the point where i had to put on my base layers some socks and all these other things to uh to keep me warm throughout the night so i ask uh i ask uh, gary here some questions about what i should be doing uh they talk about their products lines they talk about um the different uh the different types of down that are out there whether it's a you know they talk about synthetics and uh, they talk about a whole bunch of different things that are interesting to me I, I know that uh, a lot of us do a lot of research about gear and what we need for, uh, for a western hunt especially if it's a, a, a backcountry hunt and I think a sleeping bag kind of goes under the radar as far as uh, a product that not only could is a good piece of gear you need a you know the right sleeping bag for the hunt but a product that if you don't have the right sleeping bag you could be in a world of hurt you know especially if there's some big temperature changes i know when i went to idaho um i didn't necessarily get cold per se but i did uh, I it did snow and it got down to below freezing multiple nights in a row, and I I struggled a little bit as trying to stay warm, and I, I think that uh, it's time. For, honestly, I think it's time for me to step up my sleeping bag game. So enough of me talking. Let's get into this conversation about sleeping bags with Gary Peterson from Western Mountaineering. In three, two. 1 All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Gary Peterson. Gary, how you doing? Pretty good. How about you? I can't complain, man. Uh I live in Iowa and, you know, this whole corona thing is you know, we're a we're a lower population state and it I mean, it's hit us and we have guidelines in place, but you're out in California, right? Yes,
1: I, yeah, we are. I'm, we're in the Silicon Valley, basically. It's a
0: strange place to manufacture sleeping bags, but that's where we're at. <laughs> you guys, uh, and uh, the company that you guys are with is uh, Western Mountaineering. You guys make sleeping bags and uh, insulation layers and even some boot uh, foot-type coverings, and we're going to get into all that. But you guys are kind of in, in a lockdown right now, aren't you?
1: We are. The uh, The factory itself is, is in... Uh, is in a, um, our, our normal sleeping bag production is suspended. Uh, but we do have people uh, that have industrial machines at their house. And so we do have some people sewing from home and then we've been making masks for local, um, counties and stuff, um, recently too. Yeah. So we do have a couple people in here, but they have to be spread out, uh, far enough apart. So we can't have, you know, a person, we don't, we can't have them seated in their normal seating, you know, arrangements because they're too close. They would be too close together. Yeah. Normally there's about 50 people in here and 40, 42 of them are sewing. And then a couple of other people are cutting fabrics and blowing down in and stuff. And, you know, yeah, cutting parts and stuff. But it's, so right now we're just kind of at a skeleton crew and they're, they're maintaining a, a safe distance apart. Um, and some are sewing masks. Um, uh, for the most part, there's the people that are here are sewing masks.
0: Okay, well, that's awesome that you guys have been able to jump on that that wagon, I guess you could say, and and help provide masks to people who uh, who need them. I guess are, are has that been a big transition for you from sleeping bags to uh, to face masks, or is it just a, a like, simple training? Yeah, they're super
1: easy compared to sleeping bags. I mean, the average sleeping bag takes you know between uh, two hours and eight and a half hours to make. Uh, so that's the amount of labor that goes into it. And these, these masks, I mean, you can do 20 or more an hour, uh, if you get it, you know, if you get it into a groove, you know, so, yeah. um, totally different. And they're not insulated, obviously. Um, some of the ones we've made have had little pockets where they can insert a filter or whatever, but basically we're just doing it at the request to help out local, um, agencies and, counties and stuff for their workers and things like that
0: cool man that's awesome all right so the reason I I reached out to to you guys western mountaineering is because this past year I went on a South Dakota mule deer hunt and I have a a decent sleeping bag but I don't think it's the right sleeping bag for me I got a little cold and I got uh, let's see it was an overnight backcountry mule deer hunt and it was rated for, I want to say like 25 degrees, but it got down to about 25, 20 degrees and I was cold. And so I had to put mm-hmm. my, I had to put my base layers back on and I was still cold. So I think I am, I started looking around for new, uh, new sleeping bags. And I can remember walking down the aisles of the ATA show and talk or looking at your guys's booth that you guys were at. And Mm -hmm. I I noticed uh, that company. So I was like, hey, you know, I see them. They're a sleeping bag company. Why don't I reach out to them and uh, get somebody on the phone? And here we are. So the the first question I have for you is just a real general question. What Mm -hmm. makes a good sleeping bag?
1: Well, um, it depends. I mean, if you're just, you know, if you're looking for a car camping sleeping bag or a backpacking sleeping bag, they're different, probably qualities you know um for car camping if you're not going to be compressing it or having to store it really small then you could go for comfort and you could actually want a wide bag that's really insulated but what makes a quality sleeping bag a sleeping bag that will last a long time is has to do with the construction the, the fabrics i think the insulation that it's used and um you know it's not rocket science or anything we're not you know um you know crossbreeding some super seamstress here or anything like that it's not like we have the the angle on on the sewing uh skills or anything in san jose it's it's uh uh, it could be done anywhere in the world i think but but uh, the the way that we do it is is um, i think a little unique uh we take longer than any other factory i think to make a sleeping bag because we we don't cut corners and things like that you know um we're double stitching everything, hot cutting all the parts. And so I think what separates our bags or what makes our bags um, uh, have a good reputation and people that want to own more than one of them is that uh, they last a very long time. And, and that's done with you know hot cutting the parts. So all the little parts like the collars and things like that, those are all cut with a hot knife. Uh, we we really, really careful about finding fabrics that are going to be downproof for like 30 to 40 years. Uh, the down that's in the bag will last like 60 years. It's just incredible raw material. You can just, you almost can't kill it. You know, I mean, you could beat it up. And I've seen the mangiest downs that I've seen come back, the mangiest bags. You can wash them a few times, four or five times, and they'll puff back up. So most, uh, you know, uh, most down bags will last a very long time if they're sewn right, you know, and if they're made with good fabrics. So we think that what goes into a good bag is just a good uh quality materials and then quality craftsmanship, you know, the sewing
0: and the, the materials. Okay. So let's talk about those materials, right? And, and I also want to talk about the process here in a little bit, but mm-hmm. the materials, right? I mean, yeah. I could go to Walmart and I could buy a sleeping bag, right? But mm-hmm. I know that it's going to be different, for, you know, just based off price, what I've seen, you guys offer something completely different down versus synthetics and whatnot and fill. Right. But Right. But what are specifically are some of the materials that make a good sleeping bag?
1: So, um, you can, the synthetic, if you, if you have synthetic insulation, you could use much, uh, cheaper fabric. Um, it doesn't, if it doesn't have to be downproof, but, um, there's a lot of things that go into making a, a fabric, um, a downproof fabric, uh, that will be downproof for a lot of years and most of it has to do with the construction and the finishing of the, you know, the weave of the fabric and then the, the, um, how tightly woven it is, how balanced it is, uh, what kind of finishing it has. Uh, we, we, um, uh, are really, really careful about the, I order the fabrics and, and, uh, been into Japan many times and Korea quite a few times, um, where most of our fabrics come from and, and the, uh, uh we're, very involved with the development of our fabrics and we push them to make fabri- fabrics a certain way so that they'll be downproof for a long time um, for instance, you can get a downproof and so you can achieve a downproof fabric um, at like two hundred and thirty or two hundred forty threads per square inch, but it may not be downproof for a very long time if it's not very balanced you know so if it has two hundred you know or hundred and eighty in one direction and only you know sixty threads in another. And that's pretty common where they'll have a mixed, uh, very skewed uh, construction because it's cheaper to weave if you put a bunch of yarns in the warp direction. And then in the fill, you only, you know, you can run it out faster, weave it faster if you're putting very few yarns in the in the fill direction. So almost all fabrics that are stock are are not balanced. Uh, you have to pay more to get them balanced, and uh, they're harder to weave. They cost, you know, they cost quite a bit more. It might be a dollar even $2 more a yard to get it uh, with a balanced, fully balanced construction.
0: And the, and the balanced construction in the long run equals durability.
1: Yeah. Well, we, we think it's more downproof for more years that way. And it's also uh, requires less uh, finishing, you know, uh, treatments and things to get it to be downproof. So all of our fabrics are mostly over 400 threads per square inch and they're almost all perfectly balanced or, or very close to it. So if it's a uh, 400 and, you know, 50 uh, threads, you know, per square inch, it would be like 225 by 225 or pretty close to that. Um, and, and um, we think that that makes the fabric more stable. I mean, if you, if you pull on it, Otherwise, if it's skewed, then you can pull on it with your thumbs and look up through it, and it's good in one direction, but then you pull it in the other direction. You, you rotate it 90 degrees, and you pull it, and then you get all these cracks of light because it's uh, far less dense in the one direction, you know, in the fill direction. And they do that so that they can weave it faster and pack fewer, you know, uh, yarns. And they still call it downproof, of course, but it's not... We don't think it's going to be downproof for as long, and it's just not as just not as nice of a fabric. You know, if you look at it with a scope, it's just not as nice uh, to have it woven with an imbalanced construction.
0: Okay, so when when uh, we start talking about down downproof, is that the? It's like the down is inside of the casing, right? And right. Okay, so so a higher quality casing is going to let uh less moisture or air into the down making that down last longer
1: um well basically it 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 prevents the down from leaking out of the out of the uh pro, you know out of the sleeping bag or jacket okay. or chamber you know so the more downproof a fabric is then the less uh, down will come through even if you super compress it so If you have a sewn through, let's say, down jacket or something, and you stuff it into a really small, you know, sack, and then you compress it even further, you're cranking it down to just, you know, the down's got nowhere to go. So it it wants to push out of the fabric. And and under those circumstances, if it still doesn't leak, uh, then it's very downproof. And and over years, um, your down might get a little bit oily, might get a little slick, and and then the clusters are kind of, uh, you know, uh, not as lofty, and, and if you haven't washed it, the down might be a little bit more prone to leak out or in, in, during those times, but still it should hold it in, you know, and we think that uh, the fabric that we buy, we, we expect to be downproof for in the 30 to 40 year range, if not longer, if it's cared for properly.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, not many people who sell a product, whether it is a, whatever, a pen all the way to a, a computer are saying things that, you know, well, hey, man, we expect our products to last 30 years. That's uh, that's crazy. I mean, do you guys get a lot of feedback from customers who have used your bags for that long or since maybe the first one off the uh, off the line all those years ago?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we do have people that send us back their bags just to get a repair, and it's one of the you- – we could tell it's from one of the first early, early production runs because of the label. And so, uh, we, we recently traded a guy out for a newer bag because his was like really nice looking. And he had logged like a thousand nights on it, uh, trail trail nights, um, with the bag. And it was one of our early, early bags. So he had had it, you know, 50 years basically. And, uh, we, we, so we traded uh, him out for a, an updated version of the bag. He was happy. We were happy because we wanted it for the vault, you know, but it's, uh, um, yeah, the bags can last a lot longer even if you, if you, if you care for them properly. So, you know, he was just planning on giving it to his kid or whatever. So we do have a lot of people that say that they last a long time. We've had guides tell us that our bags last in a 10 year range and that's using them over uh, 180, you know, 180, to 200 uh, days in a year, Man. Uh, that's so that, if you extrapolate that over a normal person, that's a lot of years, you know?
0: Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this. Um, we have this, this rating, uh, temperature rating, right? Mm-hmm. How do you, how does a sleeping bag get a rating for, you know, 45 degrees all the way down to negative 25 degrees or whatever?
1: You, are, well, are you talking about our ratings or the EN ratings? Cause there's a, there's EN ratings, which is the European norm and a lot of, uh, bag manufacturers are testing their products for that European norm test. That's a specific standard where they use a mannequin uh, and they put, you know, put this mannequin in the sleeping bag. They have these little, you know, electrodes all over the mannequin and they measure, you know, the heat loss over a certain, you know, time frame. Um And, and uh, you know, that it's it, most, most companies are using that now and, and, and labeling their bags that they sell in Europe and, some uh, some other parts of the world, just because it's kind of the standard. Um, we tried to get a standard here in the U.S. a bunch of years ago, and never could agree on you know all the little details of the tests. So um, the Europeans did it uh, first, and um, um, you know, so that's kind of the standard. And so you might see EN labels on on bags even in the U.S. now. And if that's what you're talking about, that's a specific uh, test procedure. But how we how we uh. uh you know, come up with a, a uh, uh, temperature rating is different from uh, how other companies might come up with temperature ratings. On the whole, we think that we tend to be conservative, though, on our on our ratings. I mean, we we do it from experience and how much uh, the baffle height is on a bag, how much down we put in it. Uh, so we're we're expecting to create a bag that's you know going to be a certain temperature range when we're designing it initially. Okay, and then uh, we 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 design it uh, around you know to 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 meet a certain threshold or a certain temperature rating. And then we go out and test it. We have field testers that we use
0: bags and get back to us and let us know whether we think if they think it's accurate or not, you know? So how does, I mean, how do you come to that conclusion other than, other than testing? Is it, is it a, all right, well, it has this much down in it. We've put, we've designed the bag to have this much uh fill in it, this much down in it. And therefore it should reach this temperature it's, it's going to be comfortable yeah. in this temperature
1: yeah i mean uh, it's it's hard to say temperature ratings are really um tough because uh what what one person finds warm maybe another person won't um and if you roll in the bag the bag rolls with you you know and so there's a bunch of variables with bag width and now now lately there's a bunch of variables with also pad the type of pads you use because there's a lot of different pad choices now whereas there used to only be just a Closed cell foam or or a or a thermarest, you know, uh, right? And, and now there's a uh, just all kinds of different, you know, cross cut, uh, diagonal cut, you know, partially insulated, partially not, you know. Um, there's just a lot more pad choices that will impact your, your how warm you feel when you're sleeping. But uh, by and large, the um. um you know the the loft is the biggest contributing factor I think to to warmth, uh, Irregardless of whether we say it's a zero or we say it's a ten or another company calls their bag a zero or a ten. If you have more loft in the same internal dimensions of the bag, the, the loft the one with more loft should should be warmer. Um, basically, the more insulation you have further away from your body, uh, will will be warmer, um, and that's pretty pretty. Uh, pretty standard you know i mean that's pretty basically uh that's that's one thing that's hard to um uh, it's hard to disprove that you know yeah uh, no matter what you do so you know irregardless of what one company says now you can get you can achieve that that loft by with with uh, by spending more on down and getting you know lighter fabrics and then having it be less weight for you know even though it's achieving you know 10 inches of loft uh, for a 40 below bag but um and, you know, you could have a seven pound bag or, or four pound, four and a half pound bag, you know, for yeah. that much loft, depending on the materials you use and, and the insulation and stuff. But but by and large, if, if the dimensions are the same on two bags and one one of them has more loft, it doesn't really matter what they say. The one with more loft will be warmer um, because, you
0: know, it's just insulating you further away from your body. OK, so let me ask you this. You have two companies and they have the same exact material. How much Mm -hmm. does process of, you know, the the construction process play into making a good sleeping bag?
1: Well, I mean, we think that it has a fair amount to do with it. And the the way that we sew here is that we only have two people that would ever sew a given sleeping bag. And that's really rare. Uh, If you go to large scale factories, it's not like the sewing skills are any better here than they are in China or something, but. But we're only having two people uh, sew a given sleeping bag. And one person would do the baffling, meaning that they would sew the netting onto the bag uh, and then join the shells together. And then the other person is the finisher. They put the zipper and all the little parts on the collar and things like that. Normally, a sleeping bag, the production would be split up into like, you know, 30 different micro steps. And there'd be all these people be getting paid piece rate at a large scale factory somewhere in Asia, you know. Right. And they're doing contract work. And so they're doing, you know, um, basically they're doing contract work and they move brand by brand. So they might be on a certain brand for a couple of months and then move on to something totally different tents or something else, you know? So we think that the continuity of, you know, subcontracting is, is, uh, is where some of the mistakes happen. It's not that they, the sewing skills are bad, but if they move to different things and they have different sewing, you know, tolerances and this and that and different fabrics that they're not used to and they're trying to shove through fifty thousand sleeping bags uh, in 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 a month and a half over 500 you know uh, workers uh, there's mistakes bound to happen you know uh, so and i'm surprised that they're able to do it but they can you know reduce the you know they can make it much more efficiently they can reduce the time that it takes to make stuff uh, by by considerable amounts but it's still at the end of the day, it's kind of like if you're going to build a race car motor, do you want two master mechanics or 40 Jiffy Lube employees, you know, putting your motor together? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the way we think of it.
0: Uh, that makes a lot of it's sense.
1: Just, yeah, because the people that are working for us are just, you know, we train them really carefully. We don't hire too many in a given year, and we take a lot of time to train them, and they are they're they have pride in, in what they do. They're You know, they're not being paid by the piece rate. They're being paid by the hour, and we want them to sew you know, and make everything as if it was for one of your relatives, you know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah. And that's how we QC them too. We, we figure if anything's like, um, if if it's a product that you wouldn't want for yourself, then, then you need to talk to us because there's something wrong with the product. Like, so everything should be, we should be able to walk over to the shelf on any given day and just grab things that we want to bring to a trade show and don't have to check or double check them to see who, who sewed them. They all should be first, first notch, you know.
0: Right. All right. So how do you how many SKUs do you guys have?
1: Uh I don't have the it off the top of my head, but it's uh you know, altogether it's it's a couple hundred and the the reason that it that it's so high is I mean, we have maybe thirty five models of sleeping bags, but then there's left and right zippers and and three different lengths in some of them, four different lengths in some in other bags. So you know like the, the Terralite model which is is one model that we make that's kind of a semi rectangular it's kind of a barrel shaped bag so it gets wider below the shoulders and, and then it tapers back in and that bag we make in a five six a six foot a six six and a seven foot so uh, and we make it in left and right zippers for everything up but the seven foot so we make uh, so already there with the one model you've got uh, seven skews you know so left and right zipper for the five six a left and right for the six foot left and right for the six six and then only left in the seven foot
0: okay so you guys are almost a customizable sell a customizable product really
1: uh well we do allow some some customization like like uh but not for color or anything like that. But we, we do allow some, like you can get an overfill in the flip box or you can order it with an overfill, a bag with an overfill, but we don't really do custom work.
0: Yeah. Um, but I, what I'm getting at is I, uh, maybe uh, the ro- the right word is more options you know, there might, uh, than somebody. Yeah. I somebody. mean, we,
1: we do, we think we have more options and l- most of the bags that we make, we'll make a wider version. Also, it might have a different name being in a different color, but like, a lot of the reason for our uh, our big sleeping bag line is that we have uh, a narrow version and a wide version uh, that mirrors that same you know model, like the Apache and the Badger is a good example, or the ultralight and alpin light. The alpin light's a wider version of the ultralight, you know, which is the ultralight's our most popular bag.
0: Okay, so um, the y- you mentioned earlier about being able to compress the bag down. And you know, stuff it in a, a sleeping bag and go. Uh, is that because the materials and the construction of it, and, or is that uh, like my my Coleman sleeping bag that I had with, when I was a kid could never compress down into That's it that much? Yeah, yeah. And and at the same time, it it wouldn't keep me near as warm either. So, right. is it the down itself that and and the material that allows it to be compressed?
1: Yeah, the the down that we use is just incredible. It's um, it's really really nice. If you look at it with the scope, it's just each. Uh, it's almost like a a. If you see a tumbleweed and you know, uh, blowing a uh, blowing across a field or something, if you look at a, a cl- down cluster, it's kind of like a tumbleweed. In that it. it has a bunch of little little uh, uh strands. They're, they're um they barbules is what they're called. And it, each one of those has these little tentacles kind of sticking off of it all the way up. And, uh, and there's just uh, bunches of them on one cluster of down. Um, so down is really its um, it's ability to uh, uh, trap, um, you know, your body's warm air uh, and, and prevent it from escaping. You know, basically sleeping bags aren't generating heat. They're just uh, retaining your body heat. Um, that's what they're designed to do. And the better um, installations will retain your body heat better. Uh, they're better at doing it. Also with the fabrics, you know, that has something to do with retaining body heat, too, depending on how breathable they are and things like that. But the insulation is the key factor for making a sleeping bag compress uh, the fabrics also, but mostly the uh, the insulation.
0: Okay. In regards to retaining warmth, right, is, is mm-hmm. the down that you guys use special in any way?
1: Uh, well, it's really, really, really nice. We buy it as nine. We claim 850 plus is the fill power, and the fill power. What that means is uh, just uh, cubic inches of loft per one ounce of down. So uh, the the higher the number, the the um, the basically the more more loft one ounce of, ha- of down would have. And then it, the lighter sh- the fabric that you use. If you imagine putting a a piece, a little square piece of Cordura. Over a pile of down, it's going to obviously weight it down. It's just much heavier than than these lighter ten denier and twelve denier and you know twenty denier fabrics that we use. So we use light fabrics, um, but that are still going to last a long time. Uh, We you know because of how tightly woven they are and things and how they're finished. Um, But but the down is really an incredible thing. That the stuff that we use is not treated or anything. It's just naturally really really nice, and um, it tests out at over nine hundred. Uh, sometimes, but we we don't uh, post that because the way that they test it down, we think is a little bit has gotten a little bit out of control. They used to just put it in screen box and let it loft overnight, and now they they uh, you know they put it in this screen box. They blow dry it a couple times. It gets steamed and tumble dried before that, so it's kind of like had a week at the spa by the time it gets this rating. And we just think it's a little bit more like it represents the act the the maximum potential fill power under under laboratory settings rather than the practical or immediate fill power of, a, of the down, you know, so that's right. why we claim 850.
0: Okay. So you, you've got pretty much a sleeping bag for really any scenario, right? Um, you know, obviously there's, there's sleeping bag uses for just about any type of travel or backpacking or camping or, or hardcore type uh, excursions out there. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd like, I'd like uh, you to recommend a couple sleeping bags for me. I'm going to throw out a couple scenarios and I'd like you to uh, throw out back to me uh, what sleeping bag that you guys manufacture that you would recommend. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. So the first one is maybe I'm on an August antelope hunt. And I'm going to be camping out of a tent, but it is going to be very hot uh, during the day, maybe upwards in nineties and seventies overnight. What uh, and it's going to be? It's going to be, I guess, low, medium to low humidity. If that even makes a difference.
1: Medium to low humidity, and in, in the, what are the nighttime temperatures going to be? Like
0: seven, like fifties uh, to seventies. Fifties to seventies. Yeah. Yeah. So, in uh, the build of the person. Uh, I, I guess I'll just use me six foot, 220 pounds. Mm-hmm. So, I mean,
1: we, I would probably recommend something that's a, a summer bag, obviously that, that, um, is continuously baffled. Um, there's some, uh, summer bags that are, uh, that are partially sewn through or sewn through, but those have no option of moving the down. But something that is continuously baffled, like a summer light, um, you could also use, a. You know, a bag like the Megalite. Uh, if you're going for super, super light, then probably the Summerlite, which is a narrower, narrower bag. Megalite is kind of a wider version of that bag, but either of those would probably work okay. Uh, you could also do something like the 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 Mighty Light, which is this, you know, a hoodless uh, bag that's uh, continuously baffled. What I mean by continuously baffled is that there's no block of netting at the side opposite the zipper, so you can shift the down in the chambers to to, you know, accommodate, you know, and, and, and sleep more comfortably at, at a wider range of, of temperatures and climates. If you take the bag to somewhere like Bali, where it's super warm um, and 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 more humid, you could shift basically most of the down towards the bottom of the bag so it's beneath you between just more padding underneath that you're sleeping on and very little down above you. And by the same token, if you were to push it to a little bit uh, um. Colder temperatures on a different trip, you can you could still use the same bag just by, uh, sh- you know, shifting a little more down towards the top and bring a thicker pad. Uh, but on those trips, you got to make sure to keep the bag in its upright position, uh, or else you, you know if you the, the more you change the distribution of down, the more you have to be mindful of keeping it in its upright position. Because if you have most of all the down towards the top, and then you roll over and the bag rolls with you, um, you got nothing, you know. A, a, you know, once you roll over, yeah. you'll have very little down above you, between you and the sky. So it's more critical to keep it in its upright position. But uh, any of those bags, I think, would work fine on a trip like that. Also, maybe a bag like the Caribou would also work okay. But that doesn't have as much adjustability in the in the down because it's partially sewn through.
0: So the the um, adjustability in the, in I think it's the baffling, right? The adjustability in the baffling to move the down uh, out of the way so you can control the temperature
1: yeah I mean so most people don't make adjustments in their their, their bags because the down bags will go, take you through a broad pr- pretty broad range even just without moving the down at all just uh, there you can sleep more comfortably in in a broader range without overheating if the if the shell fabrics are breathable and and not too you know treated or coated or anything like that if they're if they're just uh, designed to be downproof by construction and just tightly woven but not uh, sprayed with a lot of stuff or not, you know, heavily, you know, chemicaled out with DWRs um, excessively, then they'll still be pretty breathable and, and you can go through a pretty broad range without, you know, uh, sweating and, and, uh, and then without getting cold. But um, there's still some adjustability with, uh, you know, if you go th- from two extremes. So if you have a bag like the Summerlite or Megalite and you take it to somewhere warm and tropical, I mean, you, most people don't have the means of buying, you know, a second bag for or a third bag for every different kind of trip that they take. So it most bags uh, since the early 80s or late 70s have been continuously baffled once they're above the zero degree rating from most manufacturers. So whether it's from us or another down manufacturer, but most down bags, if they're above zero, they're probably continuously baffled, meaning that there's no block of knitting at the side opposite from the zipper that prevents the down from shifting in In the seventies, early seventies, all bags were side blocked. It was just how everybody did it. They, they made, they sewed off a netting at the side seam, you know, the one opposite from the zipper. And so there was a chamber on top and a chamber on bottom, but that means you'd roast in, in a lot of uh, um, conditions, uh, you know, because you couldn't adjust it down. The only, the only just variability or adjustment you had was with the zipper.
0: Huh. That's, that's interesting because I didn't even think that I didn't even, I looked at a sleeping bag as a, if you're going to be in a specific temperature range, this is the bag that you need to use. I didn't, I, I never thought that you could move the down out of the way and control the temp, you know, control the, your body heat based off of that. That's, yeah, that's unique to me. So I, yeah. I, I learned something there today. Uh, so the more is it the more baffling that it has in the, the more consistent it will be as far as or the less the less adjustment the more consistent. Well,
1: um, yeah. So we we send our bags most of our bags that are continuously baffled we send them out with around sixty percent of down on top and forty percent on bottom. That's how we distribute the down as uh, that's the stock distribution. Um, but you can you can adjust that and you know if you if you for instance thrash around a lot at night, and um, and you wanted to even it out so that it was like 50-50 because you know that the bag's going to be twisted up and, and, you know, flipped upside down half the night, and then you can do that. You can readjust the down. Um, when, when the down is blown into the chambers, it's all blown into one side, and we have to kind of distribute it out. And you can just unzip the bag and open it up to where you're looking at the top inside and the, top and the bottom inside of the bag, and you can pat a couple of chambers with your hand and push the down and kind of redistribute it after you launder the bag, you know, you should probably try and check the distribution anyways. But most people don't change the distribution of the down in their bags. They just kind of go with what it is and it and it, it handles them through a broad enough range to where they don't ever have to make any adjustments. But if you find yourself, you know, sleeping cold one night, that's certainly something you should look at. Maybe uh, if your pad is, I mean, that's the first thing I check is the pad. If, if, if I'm ever sleeping cold and um, you never want to, blow into a pad if it's going to drop below freezing because then you're sleeping on a popsicle it's impossible to stay warm okay you know because all and your body's thawing out parts of the pad you know yeah. because your moist air will freeze once it drops it gets anywhere close to freezing and so uh any kind of a self-inflating pad if you don't want to wait for it to inflate up and you blow it up it's fine on most trips but if it drops below freezing you never want to blow it up with your own breath because it'll just be uh, you, you're constantly rolling over and thawing out new parts of the pad. So yeah. if that's not the issue, then then uh, I usually just redistribute the down um, and, and then you know check the layers that you have on too. If you, for instance, have a jacket on another down pullover or fleece or something on inside the bag, uh, you might be better to put it outside the bag and over your bag if you can balance it over your bag because the more loft you have further away from your body, is going to be uh, keeping you warmer. So you're better off rather than compressing more insulation layers on and piling up a bunch of layers on the inside. You're better off to put them on the outside of your bag. If you're, you know, to get warmer through that trip.
0: Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Next, the next trip I'm taking is, uh, a, a trip. Same, same dude, same, that's me six foot two twenty twenty mm-hmm. ish. And, uh, we're going to go, maybe in something a little higher elevation and it's going to be colder during the night. Now, let's say in, in the thirties and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it could get below freezing, but probably going to stay above freezing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, and are you a warm sleeper or a cold sleeper or what? Like for me, uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to sleep with the windows open usually, or or, Uh, no, uh, no, I, 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 sleep with a ceiling fan on. I don't know if if that means anything. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, some people uh, are just inherently like, you know, I wake up and my ears are red, you know, my wife just says I'm like a mouse or something when I'm sleeping. I just, uh, I sleep hot. So some people sleep, you know, tend to sleep, uh, you know, average, some people sleep hot. Some people sleep are always freezing, you know, so. That's why I asked. But I think that the, a good bag to look at for, for that temperature range, if you were consistently going to be going on trips at that temperature range, you know, uh, uh, more often than not, it would get close to, you know, below 40, let's say. Um, and occasionally it might get around freezing, um, but not too much colder. Then I think a bag, something like an, in a 20 degree range would probably be good because you you want to get it a little bit warmer than, than uh, you know, you don't want to push it push the limits. I mean, I've taken a five degree bag down to 30 and 40 below before but uh, it's not something that we recommend for most people you know i mean you got to know how to maximize the 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 warmth potential of of all the things that are in your you know Mm -hmm. uh, pack and everything when you do that but um but by and large if somebody's going to be taking a a trip that in the 30 degree range then usually i recommend a bag like in the 20 degree range the alpine light for instance would be a good model i think uh, to go with also, the Versalite, which is a little bit warmer, it's a fifteen-degree rated bag, but it's it's um it'll take you to a little bit colder temperatures, and it's the same weight as the Alpenlite, basically within one one ounce. Okay. Uh, the Alpenlite's a little bit wider. The Versalite's a little bit warmer, a little bit slightly narrower, but it's a medium girth bag. It's not it's not uh, super narrow, and it's a great bag, great all-around bag.
0: Okay, let me ask you this question, and and maybe it's. Maybe it's an easy answer. I don't know. What about uh, elevation, right? If you're if you're camping at zero uh, elevation and it's thirty two degrees versus ten thousand feet and it's thirty two degrees, d- does any of that matter except the just the temperature that you're going to be sleeping in?
1: I mean, it, it can it can have an impact. There's people that will have a harder time. Um staying warm when they're high on a mountain, uh, if they're not used to elevation being at altitude. Um, and that mostly, I think, has to do with, you know, the, uh, you know, your body retaining less, you know, uh, you know, if you, if you do tests and see what your blood oxygen levels are at, uh, it's different at altitude. Uh, and after you stay there at altitude, at a certain altitude for a few days, it kind of gets back to, uh, you know, closer to hundred percent again. But, but when you're, when you first, like if you're climbing and you are checking your, your oxygen saturation level in your blood, it goes, it goes, uh, down dramatically when you, when you go up, you know, uh, fast, for instance, if you go from 3000 to 7,000 foot in a, in a hike in a day, it'll take a while for your, for your oxygen saturation levels to get down. And so it depends on how long you stay at altitude, but, but by and large, it can, uh, impact your ability to sleep warm, also what you eat, you know, when you're at altitude, um, the amount of, you know, fat content in your diet and stuff, there's a bunch of different things that will impact your, uh, and then your metabolism also, you know, so there's a number of factors that will impact it. Altitude is one of them, um, you know, your your diet is another, and, you know, your your how fit you are and stuff, and um, all those things can, can play a role. Um, so that's why, that's probably why we recommend maybe a little bit warmer of a bag than what you're... Uh, think you might see, you know, in the temperatures. just, you just you in case see.
0: type of scenario, just in case. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean,
1: you know, and, and, even, and even though, even if you go with a warmer bag than one, still, you could get cold if you're not mindful about, um, you know, about the pad choice, or if you're not mindful about, you know, how you use the bag, you want to keep the bag upright and, and you, you know, um, start shedding a layer, you know, when you, you know, don't, don't wait until too long if you sleep in a sweat for too, too long, and then you shed a layer, you know, your sweats can kind of chill back on you and stuff. So you got to be mindful of a a bunch of factors when, when you're, when you're close to, uh, when you're close to 30, I think, you know, when you're close to the freezing point, uh, things change a bit.
0: Okay. So you, you've mentioned this, this pad combination, this sleeping bag pad combination. Elaborate a little bit more on that. Like, is, is there a, is there a perfect pad, or for your, for your guys' sleeping bags, or do you recommend a specific pad for for your guys' sleeping bags?
1: Yeah, we don't like endorse a specific brand or anything, but I mean, I've used, for instance, I, I've used a, a, one of my one of the pads that I use a fair amount is the women's the women's uh, ProLite Three from from uh, Thermarest, and and it's because it's uh, the way that it's constructed. It the men's ProLite Three is die cut vertically through the pad. So if you're a thin guy and you got, you know, bony hips or whatever, you'll kind of – you can uh, get a cold spot right where your hips are, are, are at because they're vertically cut through the pad, entirely through the pad, whereas the women's ProLite 3 is horizontally cut through the pad. So they bore out holes across the width of the pad. And so the R value is a little higher. I mean, it's made in some different colors, like a pink or salmon color, whatever you want to call it or whatever. But, um, but I just I, – so there's certain um, – Things that about pad designs that you got to kind of pay attention to, um, and mostly it has to do with the amount of uh, insulation that's in there, the type of insulation, whether it's die cut. You know, um, the the old uh, closed cell foam pads are; those still offer a great amount of insulation. They're not as comfortable, but I still use those on on a, on a lot of trips. And on winter trips, I might use one of those and then one kind of a thermarest type pad or or a self inflating pad but i usually try i like prefer the ones that have insulation in them and i tend to recommend the ones that have some insulation in them and and um not the entirely air pads even though some of those can can have you know can boast high r values they're mostly with you know just motionless mannequins and so if you get a person rolling around there and swishing the air back and forth and they blew it up for instance um, it can have quite a different uh, performance uh you know, experience in the field. I think than than the you know they're just looking at the R values only on pads, and and you got to look at more than that. More than that, I think there's a lot more pad choices these days, and it does impact. You know, you do need a good pad, and you have to have some insulation. I think when you're when you're talking using it with a down bag, you know, versus a synthetic.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I think that that's actually might be i I know uh when i went on my first backcountry hunt with uh i had a a foam pad a a rolled up foam pad you're right it Mm -hmm. wasn't as comfortable and i i feel like i had i know i had the same sleeping bag back then and i didn't get i didn't get as cold as this one and on this last hunt i had a, a full air pad and some of the things that you said, like blowing it up and uh, it was 100 percent air. There was a little insulation on the top part of it, but there was mm-hmm. no there was no die cuts in it or anything like that. It was just. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that was it
1: baffle chambers. What, which air pad was it?
0: Oh, man.
1: Or if you don't want to say that's OK. I no, I don't.
0: Understand. I don't. But
1: yeah, but um, the air pads, I mean, they, they do. You know, the, they'll get some of their warmth. It comes from the fact that they're using a reflective type of fabric on it. And that'll kind of bounce heat back on the mannequin during the test. So I think it gives kind of a false reading, Um, you know, in the field. I don't, I don't think that they're quite as warm. You know, if you're laying on a patch of snow and um, you know, you're moving around quite a bit, I just don't think that they're quite as warm as, as um, you know. So I always go back to the tried and true, just, you know, uh, closed cell foam, you know, the insulite kind of blue foam pads. And those are lighter than any of the uh, other pads. So, you know if you if if you're on a winter trip it, it I think it makes sense to use one of those foam pads and then and then a, and then some other type of pad at least then you have some insulation for sure you know and those yeah. are light pads you can and they're bulky a little bit too, but I just uh roll mine on the inside of my pack and then I stuff everything inside of that so that the the wall walls of my pack are clean you know they're not all lumpy and stuff and then and then uh I just pull it out at
0: night that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I like that. All right. So um, now we're getting into some colder temperatures, definitely below freezing. Um, maybe not any type of Arctic type of hunt, but, you know, below freezing, maybe from zero or 15 to, you know, 25 degrees. What, ba- what bags of yours would you recommend? So um,
1: as you get, to 15 degrees and below freezing a, a few degrees below freezing, I'd say go with something like a antelope microfiber or a Kodiak. Uh, those are both kind of the same bag. We used to rate them both at zero, but we backed the antelope off by five degrees um, just because we don't want people considering it as a winter bag, a full-blown winter bag. But I've used it at like, that's, that's the bag that I used at 40 below a couple times. And uh, you know, I was fine. Uh, I wasn't dressed like, you know, like the Michelin man. I didn't have too many layers <laughs> on but, but, uh, but I did have uh, two pads and, um, and I was fine. And on, on one trip, uh, actually with that bag, this was, a, one of the trips was in uh, the sawtooth and it got just extremely cold. It doesn't usually get that cold in the sawtooth. And then the other trip was in Yellowstone, uh, near Yellowstone or, or in Yellowstone, um, and they, it was just extremely cold. That was, you know, uh, it, inside the tent it was just at least forty below. It was crazy. So wow. we at the time we had a we had a, a, low, a thermometer that measured the low uh, the low temp at night, and it was I think it was forty six or something like that below inside the tent one night, and that was the coldest. But
0: what what were you guys doing out there at at that temperature?
1: Uh, well we just wanted to uh, cruise around uh, in the winter time in, in Yellowstone so we went out there um, and got dropped off by the snow coach you know where where all these uh, there's all these uh, s- snowmobilers out there and so we we wanted to ski around Shoshone lake and, and check out the the geysers and stuff in the wintertime and check out the bisons and stuff and um, and, and so we we just skied across the lake and and just went in Back in there, we wanted to be in Yellowstone when there's nobody else there, and there was nobody else there uh, except when you get close to the Old Faithful Lodge. You know, uh, after a couple of weeks of skiing around in the geysers and stuff, we uh, came back to the lodge and uh and unfortunately, we were going to go out for another couple of weeks, but our food had all been contaminated with fuel because the fuel got tipped on its side and oh, man. inside the boxes with our food. So we had a couple weeks worth of food that was all just like. We sat there and ate ate through a bunch of it, and we just, you know, we we're burping up gas and stuff. It was brutal.
0: <laughs> so we had to
1: pitch it all and go shopping. And we ended up going. Uh, uh, we went. Uh, we did some climbing, I think, up 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 in Idaho. And after that, we drove around. We were just on road trips, and
0: uh, yeah. Oh, and that's crazy. Time. Yeah, yeah no doubt all right so let's see here now what about temperatures even lower than that we're talking talk to us about some of the bags that are the lowest that that 40 degrees arctic type you know conditions well, yeah
1: so i mean i've i've um i've used the the, the uh bags like the lynx um the former bag before that was called the Dakota, which was a little bit narrower. But basically, the the Lynx is uh, because I sleep hot. I think that's about the warmest bag that I would ever want to use. I've, I've climbed Denali, and I used the the Lynx, and even that, I thought I could have gotten by with maybe even not as warm a bag. Uh, but most people that are that are that are going to experience, you know, uh, twenty below, thirty below, um, those kinds of temperatures, uh, they want, you know. They want a bag that's that's going to be, you know, completely insulated. And, and the construction is just way different. These are the bags that take us about eight and a half hours to make. Bags like the Puma or the uh, uh, Bison, um, where there's two draft tubes and the two draft tubes are offset so that they nest side by side when you're in the bag so that you're not going to get a cold spot. Um, usually the inside uh, sh- uh, has some kind of a reinforcement in the foot section so that you can bring boot liners in there so there's a heavier – uh, fabric inside the foot, on the in the in the inside, you know, at the bottom, and um, usually double draft tubes and some kind of a block configuration. There used to be side block uh, is used to be the standard way to produce colder weather bags, um, and we still make a bag, couple bags, uh, the bristle cone and the cypress, which are semi rectangulars. We make those with a single side block, but most of our you know warmest bags, like the puma and, and the bison are done with a V-block cons- construction. So it's kind of like a, there's a pie-shaped chamber on each side of, you know, a slice of pie uh, shaped on each side of the bag. And um, and it just gives you a lot of loft all the way around your body. Um, and you want, you want you know, good insulation all the way around your body. Now, with those bags, it's more important because you can't adjust it down at all uh, to keep the bag upright when you're, you know, sleeping, you know, in a... Uh, you know, temperatures that are that cold. Um, and, but the construction uh, allows you to go very, very cold. I think that our bags even, you know, could be taken much colder than that. I think our bison could be taken to 60 below easily. Um, and, and our puma to 40 below very easily. I think our lynx is underrated also at 15 below. or I think it's 10 or 15 below. We sh- It should
0: be 20 below, I think, at least. Well, I'll tell you right now that um, I think a musk ox. Or I'm I'm trying to think of a crazy hunt where a a bag that warm would even be necessary, and I can't. I, number one, I can't think of it. It's probably some uh, Arctic hunt for mu- musk ox, or oh man, some sh- sheep that lives way, way, way high in the, in the mountains. But those aren't anything that I don't think I'm ever going to go on. So uh, I don't think yeah, I'll. I mean it-
1: If you get those super warm bags, they give you the feeling, kind of like you know, bring it on, Mother Nature. You want you want water to to hit you with, water to hit you with her best shot, kind of thing, and it makes you feel a little bit invincible. But uh, but you know, I I think that uh, you know there are some things that people you know have to kind of watch out for at those cold temperatures. I mean, it's basically when you get super super cold, um, you know, so cold that you're you know. Uh, runny nose is freezing before the before it hits your lip, <laughs> I mean, right? And when you take a super deep breath, it'll hurt, you know, yeah. because uh, it's just so such cold air, you know, going in your lungs. So uh, at those temperatures, you want to make sure that you keep the bag up, right, for sure. And um, I put little beads of silicone at the edge of my pads just to keep it and keep me in place on the on the bag. It helps me from the bag from rotating around too. So if I slide to my side, the bag doesn't slide with me because there's little grips of you know little little grippy dots along each edge of my pad and I do it on both sides of my pad. That way, like if I'm ever in a slight angle in the tent, you know, I don't end up, uh, sliding into somebody at midnight or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a, that's a good point. All right. So the last question I have for you here is, you know, for anybody who is listening to this episode and they're looking for a sleeping bag, or I know you guys offer, um, like jackets and vests and insulation layers like that mm-hmm. do you guys you guys offer sleeping pads pads too, or no?
1: We don't offer sleeping pads. I mean that's a totally different, so we're just a down factory, basically okay uh, we just have a bunch of bunch of polish down in the back and and we have a bunch of sewing machines, and we're just making insulated products mostly um, everything's made here the the garments are made here too um, but um yeah. Yeah, we're, we're doing everything here and we're mostly an insulated factory. So we're not we're not doing pad pad uh, instruction is, is uh, something different, a completely different kind of operation. Yeah,
0: gotcha. So for for the guy or gal who's looking for a sleeping bag, whether um, it's for camping or whether it's for backcountry hunting, why should they consider Western mountaineering?
1: Well, I think that um, they definitely will have a, a product that lasts a long time. I mean, uh, I'd want them to think through and get the the right bag for them, whatever you know, is going to be most useful for the, uh, the broadest range of trips that they're likely to take. But I think that the, they would definitely be happy with the bag that they got from us. We're very careful about the fabrics we choose, the down that we choose, and the way that we construct them. I mean, there's nothing that, that we do that I'm not proud of. You know, there's no little corners that we cut that I'm, uh, wish we wouldn't, you know, there's nothing like that, that no, um, in fact, uh, over the years that I've worked here, we've added steps to the, to the manufacturing process rather than cut them out. Um, so when we notice anything that looks like it's, uh, uh potential, uh, there could potentially be room for improvement, like, um, uh, the single stitching of the draft flap on the inside well, we were noticing some down migrating out that because and so we started double stitching all those um so over the years we've if anything added steps here and there just to make sh- the product more um you know have a longer lifespan and there's very few companies i think that do that nowadays it seems like everybody everybody's making things that that they expect to fail just right after the 90 day warranty or whatever. I mean, I had a light bulb in my garage that lasted 20 years and then I replaced it. And the next one went out in like a month, you know? (laughs) Uh, So, you know, even just basic stuff like that, water heaters, it's like everything uh, is designed to fail after a couple of years. And so it's, um, I think that people should feel comfortable and confident buying our stuff, uh, knowing that they're going to get something that's, that's made with the intent of having it last a long time rather than, um, just, uh, just outliving the,
0: uh, warranty, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, Hey Gary, man, I really appreciate you taking time to hop on the podcast today and, and chat with us.
1: Yeah. I appreciate it. Hope I answered your questions. Okay, okay.
0: I really appreciate Gary for hopping on, uh, in this crazy time and, uh, talking about Western Mountaineering, their product line, the company history, all that good stuff. And, um, like I said in the intro, man, I think a, I think a sleeping bag kind of goes under the radar when we're talking about a, a Western or, or a backpacking, a true backpacking hunt out in the middle of nowhere, right? Something that you definitely want to have the right piece of gear for. If you guys are liking what you hear on the Hunting Gear Podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe, or you can follow us follow along on the, the Sportsman's Nation Uh, rss feeds as well the sportsman's nation podcast were we're there along with all of the other uh, hunting content as well and man if you guys have any ideas that you want to run by us or you want to talk about a specific category or a specific product or a specific company go ahead and send me a dm on facebook or instagram that's nine finger chronicles other than that be safe wash your hands Enjoy this spring. Get outside, get some fresh air, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.